As usual, I asked our guest, Connor Allen, to pound the table for someone this offseason. Connor, who you pounded the table for? Right now, I am pounding the table for Nick Chubb. Right now, the RB9 on underdog, 11th overall. I mean, I think he's a great, potentially league-winning pick at the turn in the first round. I expect the Browns to be extremely good this year, and so does the batting market. 10-win total. They face the third easiest strength of schedule in terms of opposing win totals. And we know that the Browns don't want to air it out with Mayfield. They want to rely on their strong defense and pound the rock. In one-score games last year, the Browns ran the ball at the fifth-highest rate, 52%, and that was without a running quarterback. Um, last year, in the 11 games that Nick Chubb finished healthy last year, he rushed for either 100 yards or a touchdown in 10 of them. Uh, I think that Nick Chubb here could easily finish as the overall running back one, even though he's not a big pass catcher. If the Browns wind up as good as I think they'll be, 20 touchdowns is very much in his range of outcomes. And I think that he could be a potential league-winning pick at the turn. 20 touchdowns. I love it. Excellent. Listeners, you heard Connor. Go get you some Nick Chubb. Now let's get to the show. Welcome, everyone, to the most accurate podcast. I am your humble host, Brandon Niles. My co-host today is the wonderful Jen Akins. Jen, good afternoon. How you doing? I'm doing fantastic. Happy to be here. <laughs> As I mentioned, we're excited to have Connor Allen on the pod today. You can find Connor on Twitter at Connor Allen NFL and check out his fantastic betting content at 444.com. He's also one half of the excellent co-hosting duo on the Move the Line podcast. Uh, Connor, thanks you, thank you so much for joining us today. How you doing? I'm well. I'm very excited to come on the podcast. I'm I'm a big fan of your guys' work and uh, everything that's been going on in this podcast, so I'm excited to finally come on. I I wanted to ask, since you're a a betting man, I think that's fair to say, Uh, (laughs) you're a Chicago guy. Are you a Bears fan? So I'm actually not a Bears fan. I I lived in Colorado for a bit uh, and became a a Broncos fan when I was younger, but, you know, that being said at this point, I just, like, I watch literally every game and Mostly just cheer for my bets rather than a team anymore. So I would consider myself like a very light fan at this point. How did I not know that you lived in Colorado at any point in your life? I, I somehow, I don't know. We somehow didn't talk about that. Yeah, I guess that wasn't uh, talked about during our, our bonding experience <laughs> last year where we, you know, annihilated that best ball draft together. So. <laughs> no, somehow we missed that. I mean, I've been here for 26 years. And, um, but like you, I'm kind of the same. I'm a fan. I'm a fan of the Dolphins from my childhood. I'm a fan of the Broncos from living here. But honestly, I, I kind of go for fantasy and bets over all of it. Yeah, way to go. Yeah, it's hard not to root for your picks. I was going to ask you if you bet on your favorite team uh, because I, I'm a diehard Blazers fan, and I can't bet on the Blazers. I just can't do it. I have enough on the line already. But if, if you've kind of shifted, if you're kind of Broncos light, I suppose that question is not relevant, is it? No, I mean, I think that at one point it was, um, and I was, when I was like a really hardcore fan, terrible betting on them. Uh, but at this point, you know, I think it doesn't really matter. I look at them pretty objectively. Um, I would say almost too pessimistically, you know, in, in some instances. But I would say the same thing as you said. If you are a fan of a team, you probably just shouldn't bet on them. Uh, or you could just got to take a really hard look <laughs> in the mirror and ask whether you can be unbiased. Most of the time, the answer is probably not. <laughs> Yeah, I bet on the Blazers once in the playoffs, and it didn't end well. I'm not happy. I'm never doing it again. Um, We're going to talk betting and all things betting. We're going to talk about the content that we have out there on 4 for 4, including the betting membership that goes on. Folks, 4 for 4 has partnered with Underdog Fantasy to give you an easy way to claim a free, no-strings-attached pro subscription to 4 for 4 for the current season, plus $25 instantly deposited to start playing. Just enter 4 for 4 in the promo code box and deposit at least $10 when you sign up at Underdog. 
This is a screaming great deal and a fantastic opportunity for anyone who's been on the fence about joining to sign up with no risk. Sign up at Underdog Fantasy today. Uh, we're going to pick Connor's brain throughout, but first, just got to get to a news segment. Uh, Julio Jones was traded over the weekend to the Tennessee Titans. Uh, we're going to go John, uh, John Paulson stopped by to talk about his take, so let's go to John now. And here we are with John Paulson, our director of forecasting at 444.com. On Twitter, at 444 underscore John, to discuss the Julio Jones trade that dropped this weekend. How you doing, John? I'm pretty good. It's kind of a big trade this weekend, huh? Yeah, yeah. You know, we were all kind of waiting for it to drop, waiting for that shoe to drop. I kind of thought it wouldn't happen because they I thought the asking price was going to be too high. But uh, here we are in a new uniform, and it's it's an interesting situation. How does this affect your rankings? I just got done doing them uh, well this yesterday, and I've been updating them a little bit this morning. It's Monday morning and uh, writing an article, uh, which is going to be up on the site soon, uh, kind of covering the trade in more detail. But uh, certainly for Ryan Tannehill, he's <laughs> he's the big winner uh, <laughs> here. You, you go from you know losing Janu Smith and Corey Davis and Adam Humphreys, and you know replacing them with Josh Reynolds and a rookie and Anthony Furkser and it just looked like maybe Tannehill was going to take a step back in his weapons. And then they add, you know, one of the best receivers in the game uh, in Julio Jones. So I, I have him Tannehill back in my top 10. I actually have him at QB eight behind the big seven Mahomes, Allen, Prescott, Jackson, uh, Murray, Wilson, uh, Herbert, and then Tannehill. So I actually have him ahead of Hertz and Aaron Rodgers, given what's going on. Wow, uh, with, the, with the Packers in Green Bay, just some uncertainty there. So uh, Tannehill has played at a QB4 to QB7 level since taking over as the starter there, and I think uh, he's back in that conversation. Um, and I think he owners that were targeting him already are going to be still be able to get him uh, maybe a little bit earlier, but I, I think his, basically his ADP is going to jump like four or five spots. And instead of his ADP was you know, QB 16 heading into the trade and after trade, I think it probably jumps, you know, top 12, 13, maybe I'm going to have him at eight. So I'm still going to be getting him. I just don't think I'll be able to get him as late as I was otherwise able to. Um, as for AJ Brown, you know, I had him at uh wide receiver three, I think prior to the trade I've updated, he's down at wide receiver eight and a half PPR. So I still think he's a wide receiver one. I just think his target share is not, doesn't have the upside that it had you know, prior to Julio's arrival, Julio, for his part, I think his value, I think stays about the same, maybe drops a little bit because baked into the value was the fact that he was probably going to be traded and uncertainty. We just didn't know where he was going to land. He landed in a pretty good spot because the Titans passing game is so efficient. It's just a lower volume passing game. Tannehill averaging less than 30 pass attempts per game since he's taken over the starter versus almost 40 for Matt Ryan, uh, that's a pretty significant drop in terms of targets available to Julio as the number two likely receiver there. So I, you know, I view him as a wide receiver two type, maybe fourth, fifth round. He has some upside from there. I think there are some questions about his health after last year, although he was very durable prior to that. Just last year, it was you know when he started missing some games, and that that's why people have kind of deemed him injury prone. So moving on, just to the tertiary type guys josh reynolds breakout season's over he's going to the third or fourth option there at best when there was a chance that he was going to be the number two option uh anthony ferkser same thing might have been the number two option without julio there now he's looking at third or fourth 
level targets there and Tennessee with the lower uh, volume passing game. And then uh, the, the rookie, uh, Des Fitzpatrick, uh, same type of th- situation. I mean, he had a chance to maybe uh, usurp Reynolds as a rookie, but, uh, you know, with Julio there, it's going to be going to be tough for anybody outside of Julio and A.J. Brown to really uh, turn in fantasy starter type numbers. I'm really sad because we've talked about Reynolds a lot, like as as free agency ended and then as the draft ended and Tennessee didn't add anybody, we kept saying maybe maybe these Reynolds shares late in the drafts are going to be worth something and now it's just squashed. I'm sad, John. I'm sad. Yeah, yeah I, t- I, t- I think I took him in all three of my uh, underdog drafts I've done so far, at least two of the three. I remember drafting him late and – yeah, he's just kind of tanked in the rankings now because just the, the shares aren't going to be there. The other the other guy that people asked about, and just I didn't touch on it before because I just think his value doesn't change much, is Derrick Henry. I had him at RB3 and half PPR prior to all this, and I still have him there. You know, maybe they throw the ball a little bit more uh, and don't feed him as many carries, but the efficiency of his rushes should be a little better they're not going to be able to stack the box with both julio and aj brown out there and a pretty capable tight end in Ferkser. uh so i just think that even if henry's volume or you know, share of the offense drops a bit the efficiency goes up and also with julio in tow he's probably going to extend some drives and help them score some more touchdowns and that's going to be uh, good for henry as well yeah, I'm anxious to see him with less of a loaded box because I, 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 I know he was like top half of the league in loaded box rate or something along those lines. Yeah, he was. So he, had, he actually had the 12th highest stacked front carry rate per player profiler, and he still averaged five point yard zero yards per carry in those games. That's just a beast. And then, and, then, beast. Uh, and then you look at what he did against base format fronts. It's uh, 5.6 yards per carry, and he was 5.3 against light fronts. So, you know, I would expect his his yards per carry to be well over five this year. Uh, and that's saying a lot. I mean, that's a big, that's a big number for a running back in today's yeah. NFL. And uh, I think with Julio uh, on that, in that offense, it's really gonna, it's really gonna help him as well. Yeah. Those are Jamal Charles numbers, man. Those are yeah. impressive. Uh, so what about, uh, what about Atlanta? Yeah, I think Ryan, uh, Matt Ryan's uh, value takes a hit. We sort of, it was sort of baked in, to his ADP, I think he was going QB 13 prior to all this, and I think there was a chance that Julio wasn't going to be moved, and that this he you know he was looking throw throw uh, looking at throwing to Calvin Ridley, Julio Jones, Kyle Pitts, Russell Gage, having just one of the best receiving cores in the league, and now that Julio's gone, I think he takes a little bit of a step back in terms of his value, and I think his ADP is going to drop a bit because you know some owners weren't drafting him at a level thinking that Julio would leave. Uh, I do think that there is a chance that the damage is mitigated, so to speak, with with Ryan, uh, given the arrival of Arthur Smith, who's a sharp offensive mind and had so much success with Tannehill in Tennessee over the last two seasons. He could have a similar uh, positive impact on on Ryan. Uh, you also have you know Gage ready to step in. He had seventy plus catches last year with with Julio, you know, playing nine games. He's ready for a little bit of a bigger role. Uh, Kyle Pitts, people are throwing around the word generational talent with him. And I I normally don't rank rookie tight ends too high, uh, but I've got him in my top five now. And it's, it's hard for me to put him over Hawkinson because I'm pretty bullish on Hawkinson, but I think that the the Falcons now with Julio gone, they're going to need Kyle Pitts on a weekly basis. Whereas if Julio was still there, Pitts would be the third option at you know at best in that passing game, and you know, maybe they wouldn't need him 
on a, a week-to-week basis. So I think Pitts's floor is a little bit higher now with Jones gone. As for Ryan, I've got him in the QB2 ranks. You just look at his production with Julio in the lineup the last two years, 18.3 fantasy points per game. That's basically middle-of-the-road QB2 numbers. So that's what I'm thinking right now for him. You know, the, the, the loss of Julio hurts, but the arrival of Pitts and and Arthur Smith uh, should help him a little bit. And so maybe those two things kind of cancel each other out. And he kind of gives us what he's been giving us over the last um, couple of seasons. I think uh, Calvin Ridley is a, is a winner here. And I, we were already expecting him, Jones, probably leaving. Uh, his ADP has been in the second round. But I moved him up to you know wide receiver three. I think it's debatable, him and Diggs. And then Devontae Adams, I still have him, have him at one. And if you're looking at Green Bay and wondering what's who's going to play quarterback there, you may not want to take Adams over Ridley or Tyree Kill for that matter, either just due to the situation and the uncertainty of the situation of who the quarterback is. Ridley has been extremely productive in games that Jones missed. He was also productive in games that Jones played, but his, his targets jumped uh, to 10.3 targets in the games that Jones missed. So you might see him with a, you know 140, 150 targets this year. Uh, he was averaging 95 yards in the the eight or the 10 games over the last two seasons when Jones was out or limited in the game. Interestingly, and I'm, TJ Hernandez is going to do a little bit of research for me on this, but his touchdowns when Jones were, was out, his touchdowns took a dip compared to his touchdowns when Jones played. Ridley averaged 0.3 touchdowns in the 10 games that Jones did not play or was limited, and he averaged 0.72 touchdowns in the games that Jones played his full complement of snaps. So it made me wonder, because Jones's numbers is, have always been a little bit low for his usage, you know, maybe Matt Ryan is not looking at his number one option in the red zone as much uh, as other quarterbacks do. And when Ridley is that number one option, he's looking elsewhere. And when Jones is that number one option, he's looking to Ridley. So I, he, uh, TJ is going to look at that for me and I might update the article if there's some inference, interesting information there. The final piece of the puzzle, Russell Gage, 72 catches last year. I've got him projected for 67 catches, 754 yards, 5.9 touchdowns. If Pitts weren't there, then Gage would probably be looking at a top 35 ranking right now, but I've got him as a, a low-end wide receiver four uh, just because we don't know how his targets are going to compare uh, to Pitts' targets. Uh, but Gage should be a, you know, a full-time player this season and should see plenty of, plenty of work. I think he's a nice value towards the end of drafts. I don't know how much his ADP is going to rise. I, don't, I haven't been drafting him. I don't know where he's going, but I think suddenly he's on the radar as a guy who could be uh, a fantasy starter for folks. Is there a uh, is there anyone who might kind of go into that gauge role in Atlanta that uh, those 72 catches that he had kind of mostly from the slot position last year? Anyone uh, you'd be interested in late in drafts that might step into that role? Well, I you know I'm kind of cursing you under my breath right now because his name is Olamid Zacchaeus, and I'm not even sure how to pronounce his name. Uh, but he he probably is the most likely guy to hit the slot. Uh, you know, he's five eight, 193 pounds, and I did mention him in the article. He had a couple of good games last year. He had eight for 86 on, on nine targets against the Packers. He had four for 103 on six targets uh, and a touchdown against Denver, and that was in week nine. Uh, so he got some playing time and got some run here and there. He had a three, four games over 73% snap share. He had those two games that I mentioned. He had a he had a one-catch, 13-yard game, and that played 97% of the snaps. And then the other game where he played over 70% of the snaps, he had uh, four for 41 uh, on six targets against Chicago. So I, was, I would assume that he's going to play... 60 70 percent of the snaps on a fairly regular basis although they could 
go with more two tight end formations with Hayden Hurst still there and, you know, get pits on the field with him uh, along with Ridley and Gage. So it's a little, uh, that's another thing we probably should look at uh, Arthur Smith. You know, how much did he run two tight ends? I know Ferkser played quite a bit last year, so that might be something worth looking at with, uh, you know, heading into Atlanta and whether or not that fourth, he, he deems that fourth best player to be Zacchaeus or Hayden Hurst. All right, so that's our rapid reaction to the Julio Jones trade to the Titans. Go get you some Ryan Tannehill. Go get you some Calvin Ridley. Everything's going to be good. John, thank you so much for popping on. I appreciate you. Thanks for having me. So, Connor, John likes Tannehill and Ridley to benefit a lot from this trade. Uh, Your thoughts on Julio in Tennessee and how it might affect your approach this season? Those are probably my biggest winners as well. Uh, I think that, you know, Ridley crushed last year without Julio and seemed capable to be a true number one wideout. Uh, I also think that Kyle Pitts benefits a bit as well. You know, maybe not a ton, but uh, 25% of the, the projected target share roughly is probably now needs to be thrown elsewhere. So I think that Pitts now lines up to be in a great spot playing on a high volume offense where their defense still isn't going to be good and that, you know, he's going to be the number two option on, on a pretty uh, or getting passes from an efficient quarterback. So I, I think that he's in a pretty good spot here as well and certainly could be, you know, a top five, top four tight end where he's being drafted. Excellent. excellent. Uh, Jen, should we pour one out for our uh, late round Josh Reynolds shares that you and I have been acquiring, uh, you know, for the past couple months? You know, as, as Connor was talking, I just clicked on over to Underdog to see what my exposure is to Josh Reynolds. <laughs> And I'm looking right now at a 36.4% Josh Reynolds uh, exposure. So, yes, we need to pour a few out. I'm pretty bummed. I, I really thought that if they didn't add anybody over the offseason, he was in a really good spot, especially at a super cheap ADP. I mean, listen, in best ball, you know, the, the good thing is that it is best ball and that he, you know, he may have a random week or two where he gets a couple touchdowns out of the blue which would, you know, pay, pay you know, in the long run. But overall, yeah, I'm pretty bummed, and I will not be drafting him uh, anymore. I will not be adding any more to the portfolio there. <laughs> Rest in peace, Josh yeah. Reynolds' is, uh, <laughs> <Josh Reynolds's laughs> temporary boon in fantasy value. Uh, like I said, we're going to talk about uh, betting today, so let's do our main segment. Jen, this was your idea, so why don't you uh, introduce uh, what we're going to do today to talk about betting. Folks, early bird pricing for 2021 4 for 4 memberships are available. Don't hesitate to sign up early and capitalize on the ever-growing off-season content we bring you day in and day out. Check out Classic, Pro, and DFS embedding memberships up to 25% off right now. See 444.com slash plans for details. Yeah, you know, I brought this into the mix just because we are in June and it's kind of you know, repetitive if we all, you know, how talk about ADP and talk about, you know, different things in drafts. And I thought a lot of our subscribers um, are probably interested in betting. Some people maybe are, are just getting, you know, the legality of, of betting in their state. Some have already had it. Um, it is, you know, kind of a, a new segment of the, you know, the sports world. And uh, a lot of people are intimidated by it, scared by it. Connor is obviously not. He's very good at it. So I figured we could have Connor on and kind of you know, ease people's minds into it, talk about, you know, what, what, what basically it entails and, and the best way to kind of go about it. And I figured that uh, we could start out with kind of a betting 101 situation. You know, Connor can kind of, kind of go over futures betting. What is it? You know, how did you get so good at it? Oh, well, I, I appreciate, I appreciate the kind <laughs> words. I, I, I'm not sure that I would say that I'm, you know, amazing at futures betting or anything, but um, you know, I, I do appreciate that. It's so futures betting 101. I mean, it's, basically simply put just betting on a future event so for example you can bet on 
who's going to win the MVP, who's going to win the Super Bowl, um, you know, who is going to be the offensive rookie of the year. Um, and those, you know, types of events are handicapped by sports books and given different odds, uh, which you can bet on. So, you know, I, I again, I wouldn't say I'm the best futures better out there, but luckily was able to get, you know, lucky and win, you know, a couple of long shots along down the road and um, kind of be able to understand how to approach these types of markets which is, I think, that how you should view, uh, you know, futures betting in general, kind of looking uh, at payouts versus likelihood of it happening. Uh, and I think that that's something that a lot of fantasy gamers can pretty simply, you know, grasp their mind around uh, if they just look at it through that lens. That makes sense to me. I mean, Brandon, do you have anything to add there, or are you just kind of along for the ride? I, I'm along for the ride. <laughs> I'm learning. I'm a little new to betting. Like, it's something that I do very, very, very casually. But uh, since 444 has expanded, uh, their betting content like monumentally uh, over the past year. It's something that I'm far more interested in and I'm wanting to not just dip my toes in, but maybe like maybe put like a whole foot in the betting thing. Maybe that's <laughs> what I'm looking to do. Connor, tell us a little bit about four for four's betting membership. Yeah. So uh, starting this year, we had NBA content. We had NBA player props. We had NBA side bets um, and that's wrapping up shortly, but you know, still in this package to come, our new four for four co-director of betting, Ryan Noonan, We'll actually be leading golf content. Uh, we have a few other guys coming on board, which are really, really exciting. Uh, multiple models will be introduced to four for four, some visuals, uh, different bets for every single tournament of, of golf. I mean, I'm, I don't even know much about golf and I'm really excited to, to bet on it because I think that we have some really sharp guys coming on board for that. For the NFL season though, um, we're going to have a player prop tool, which scrapes John's projections and compares them to sports books. Um, and we'll give Ooh. you the best values for every single player. Yeah, so that's really exciting. And then beyond that, Sam Hoppin, uh, another 4 for 4 guy, is helping us create a player prop frequency tool. So basically, to say the sportsbook sets out a line of Derrick Henry over under 80 rushing yards for this week, we can see how often a player like Derrick Henry is going to be hitting, has been hitting that uh, this entire season, and what his projection is for this week. So it's basically just different ways to analyze it. In addition to that, obviously some other great content um, that we're, is still TBD and odds table for every game that allows you to easily compare odds. Uh, there's a lot of exciting stuff and I'm, I'm very, very pumped if you can't tell about this upcoming membership. That's awesome. I'm super excited. I'm actually super excited for the golf because I am, uh, I am one who does bet on PGA, but very poorly. So um, having that now in the family, uh, it, it makes me very happy. Cause I mean, listen, I'm a low roller anyway, but I still just, you know, I love PGA, but it's hard. I mean, there's a lot of golfers and it's not an easy thing to, you know, for, for, oh, for yeah. the, yeah, for the non-experience, it's not that easy, but having someone that actually, um, can do all that work for you at four for four is going to be awesome. Do they have golf prop bets? I'm just curious. I, I really don't know that. I, I is it oh, just yeah. like oh, winter? Yeah. yeah, that's amazing. I'm very excited about this. I love you can golf. bet you can on bet anything, on like... Brandon. Anything. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Literally <laughs> can I, anything. Can I bet on like the color of somebody's pants of, of a golf? Like, like I want to bet on Jordan Spieth's pants color. That's what you I want to bet on. You know, they did have. There was, <laughs> uh, you know, back when during you know when COVID was in full full swing. And they had that, remember they had that, um, it was like a charity. It was like Phil against, you know, Phil and Brady against Peyton. Yep. And I can't remember the oh, exact, yeah. but there was betting on colors of shirts and what Tiger would wear versus what, they had all that. Mm -hmm. um, at That's that amazing. Point. I don't know if on a weekly normal basis in PGA you can bet on what people are wearing. <laughs> but I know in the, the random weird tournaments you can. 
Oh, that's amazing. I love it. <laughs> but back to football. Um, <laughs> so um, let's, I guess let's start with, you know, your favorite win total futures bets for the season. I actually uh, was doing some, some work this morning on kicker data. And when I do do kicker data, I, I look at uh, win totals and, and implied team totals and spreads and all that. So I kind of was looking and I know kind of where each team you know, is as far as what the projections are, but I'm just curious, you know, where, where we are, what, what are your favorite, you know, bets as far as uh, win futures for NFL teams? Yeah. So I'll, uh, I'll start with this one here, Washington football team over eight wins. Uh, this can be found at minus minus one thirty at FanDuel um, Washington replaced Ronald Darby Darby with William Jackson at cornerback, which is, I mean, a good addition to a secondary that already ranked fourth in passing EPA allowed last season. They retained their strong pass rush which ranked ninth in adjusted sack rate, ninth in pressure rate last year. And by the end of the season on the offensive side, they were top 10 on the offensive line in most grades. And they kept building off that after uh, Brandon Scherf and Chase Roulier turned in top 10 grades for PFF. And they were very highly touted uh, among other websites as well. They added Eric Flowers, signed Charles Leno, and drafted Sam Cosme in the second round. And obviously their biggest weakness last year was quarterback play. They ruled out you know, a combination of, you know, league bottom play, Dwayne Haskins, Alex Smith, sorry, Sal, and Kyle Allen, <laughs> um, who, I mean, they're just borderline dreadful. Uh, now they signed Ryan Fitzpatrick in the offseason, who I, I think, you know, maybe people have too high of expectations for him, but I think at the bare minimum, he should be an upgrade from them and be provide league average quarterback play. So, you know, this Washington team, I think, can very easily now in a 17-game season win. Um, all you're asking them to do is be above average. You're asking for a nine and... uh uh, or, yeah, not like a nine-win season. I don't think that that's asking too much, especially after last year they went two and five in one-score games, which tend to regress year over year with league bottom QB play. So I think that beyond that, I think they're also live to win their division, uh, the NFC East, which you can find at plus three hundred. Yeah, that division's interesting, you know, because last year it was a complete bottom feeder situation, but you've got a couple different upgrades and. But I think nine wins is not too much to ask from Washington. I mean, even without the actual data to back it up, when you just think about it, you know? Yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, you're asking for like a nine and eight season, literally just be above average. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I like that one a lot. And I I got a few others as well, um, but I'll I'll try and go through those a a little bit quicker here. Lions under five wins. um, You know, I expect them to be just like, the worst team in the league outside of the Texans, um, the you know downgrade at quarterback from Stafford to Jared Goff. Um, now Anthony Lynn at offensive coordinator. Um, you know the worst receiving core in the league. You know with uh, Tyrell, uh, Tyrell Williams, Rashad Perriman, and Amon Ross St. Brown. I mean the trenches improved a little bit drafting Penny Sewell, but I don't think it's enough to really uh, overcome some of their awful metrics from last season. Um, and now the, the look ahead spreads, spreads, the sports books agree with me. So Westgate Superbook released spreads for every game of the entire season. The Lions are underdogs in every single game the entire season. And 11 of their games, they're an underdog by a touchdown or more. So like none of the games are even close to being a toss up. Um, yeah, it's crazy. No, it's funny. I, I, I didn't mean to interrupt you there, but I just wanted to say it's funny. I actually tweeted out that exact same stat this morning because I, really? I, cause that's what I was doing. I was going through and looking. I was like, I cannot believe Detroit is not even favored once. Not even like a half a point favorite. <laughs> and, so, and you know what? And it's the same with Houston at the moment because someone tweeted back at me and said, yeah, what about crazy. Houston? And I looked and I was like, you know what? You're right. Houston is in the same boat. They're not favored to win one game. Like out of 17, it's insane. Are you avoiding Houston since there's so much yeah. like ambiguity? I mean, from a betting perspective or fantasy perspective, I would say 
from a betting, betting perspective, perspective like, I, actually, I took a position futures. on under four and a half wins. Okay. Yeah, I think from so they're on they're over under four and a half. I took some under uh, four and a half wins, but because I think even if Watson does play, they're probably like a four win team. If he doesn't play, I mean, I'll just you know tell the sports what they need to pay me out now because with Tyrod Taylor, they're going to win like two games, maybe maybe one. <laughs> Yeah, well, I you know they were awful last year, and they signed all the guys that aren't good in free agency, and then they didn't draft until a backup quarterback in the third round. So, yeah, hard 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 to argue with you taking the under there. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like literally, their free agent class was like the funniest thing ever to read. Yeah. It was like all the people that no one wanted, and that you know like have been below league below replacement level in the league for basically their entire careers, and that are now all on one team. Yeah. Hold on now. Hold on. Don't Except dis- Philip Lindsay. Don't disrespect yeah. Philip Lindsay like that. Yeah. That was pro- that might have been their best signing, and he yeah. was a running back. It was. I know, and it's so funny because everyone's like, oh, they signed all these horrifically old running backs. I'm like, hold on, back up. Lindsay is 26. He had 2,000-yard seasons, like two seasons, you know, the season before last. Like, I get it. He landed in the worst possible spot, but he's the only bright light in that in that free agent class. That's for sure. Yeah, They oh. added Rex Burkhead since we last talked, by the way. Yeah. Like, <laughs> <laughs> There's oh more old God. players, old running backs thrown in the in the pot there. Uh, and I'm going to probably ask you uh, this on a few different categories here, Connor. Uh, Connor's got a series of articles on the site right now, which I will include the links to in the show notes. Uh, definitely, ever, all listeners should go and check that out. Uh, but when you're looking at win total futures bets, uh, what what process do you use to project? How do you start when you're looking at it? So it's mostly just like uh, paying attention to the offseason, go through roster changes, coaching changes, and then also use like strength of schedule. You looking at opposing or a win total. So there's like Warren Sharp and then a few other websites as well that put out, um, you know, strength of schedules for teams that like use the opposing win totals. So, you know, a team like the Raiders face the toughest strength of schedule using opposing win totals. Like th- that is something to take advantage of. A team like the Browns play one of the easiest strength of schedules using opposing win totals. Like, I think that stuff on the extremes matters. Um, and uh, in the middle, it, it generally doesn't make any difference because, uh, you know, the common argument against that is just that, you know, well, you don't know, like, how good these teams are going to be, you know, blah, blah, blah. But generally, we're, we're fairly good at projecting, like, how good a team is going to be for the most part. Um, obviously, there are outliers every year, but just generally, we're, we're fairly good at that. And then also look at headlines, like, you know, Jen and I just talked about. Again, on the extremes, it, it matters because – a team like the Lions is not favored in a single game, even if they are better than expected. Like, what are they going to be favored in? Three games? Four games? I mean, maybe five at the most. <laughs> so, yeah, like, that's not even close to their win total. They would have to win all five of those games and win games as underdogs. So, like, that that's kind of where part of my process as well. Apologies to Josh Moore, by the way, our resident yeah. Lions fan. <laughs> <laughs> so, Connor, what are, we, what are you doing with Green Bay? I mean, as far as betting and you know are we just assuming Aaron Rodgers is there and we're going to roll with with you know a a pretty decent scoring offense or are you kind of holding back thinking well we still don't really know yeah I'm I'm pretty much holding back here I think that it's um you know my only way to leverage this is what the best way to leverage this in my opinion would probably be that if Aaron Rodgers doesn't play would just be to run to the sports book and bet on like the Vikings to win the division um and that's probably you can find that at like plus 300 which is like three times your money um and that'd be something that i'd be really interested in and uh, other than that i'm not betting on green bay under i'm not betting them over right now there's just way too much like ambiguity in terms of like what is going on with that situation and i don't think that too many people have good information on it and i think that there's a lot we can speculate on it 
in terms of like who released the information and when the information was released and you know the shadiness of why Schefter did that. Um, but I just don't think we know anything. And so I'm just staying away from it right now in speculative markets. I love that. Yeah, Schefter came out. They were saying said that it wasn't new information. He just dropped hours before the draft. I love that. That's a beautiful thing. <laughs> oh yeah. I mean, uh, hey, like ESPN is trying to make some make some money too. They got to get yep. those people watching. And uh, it's not like he was lying, but you know, I mean, it was a very convenient time to drop everything. Very well, much so. Yeah, and locally, I think we we discussed this before, but locally here in Denver, you know, Mark Schlereth, who has a radio program here, he's also on ESPN, I believe, still. But he, you know, he came out like the deal's all done. It's just not signed. I mean, he really like <laughs> lathered the entire city of Denver up, or, you know, like an hour before the draft started. <laughs> I mean, people were like, "Oh my God, Schlereth says it worked," you know. And then it just, you know. Yeah, I mean, that got me a little excited. Right. I mean, you're thinking he's got to know something, right? He's in that organization, so you know, as much in as you can be without being in. But you know, he lathered everybody up for you know a couple hours, and then nothing happened. At least not yet. <laughs> Denver better hope. Denver better hope Justin Fields sucks. That's all, that's all I'm saying. <sighs> like like they better hope that Justin Fields isn't any good. Uh, uh yeah. <laughs> uh, you also put out an article about uh for MVP for the MVP uh betting on 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 which quarterbacks go. Uh, any kind of quick hits you want to share with us? Uh, uh, you know some odds you really like for MVP this year. Yeah, so um, I'll, I can go through how I break it down real quick. I mean, uh, since 2010, quarterbacks have won 10 out of 11 years for MVP. League is continuing to shift more pass heavy. So I think that this trend continues. Um, you know, these, I also focus on players who are on winning teams. Uh, so all the MVPs won at least 11, of, 11 games uh, in the, that same time span. Um, and now in the 17-game season, that ends up being like 11.7 games. So you're looking at... You, this team needs to also win 12 games. So kind of focusing on players who play quarterback and players who are going to be on winning teams, or at least a, a team that you can project to win 12-ish games. So for me, um, you know, there are some ones that I played already. Justin Herbert at 30-1. to 1, I think the Chargers are squarely in play um, to win that amount of games and that he has a lot of upside. Uh, a longer shot here for me, Tua Tungabailoa at 60-1. to 1. Uh, That's like a really, you know, a good long shot, I think, right now. Their strong defense is intact. They added weapons for Tua. He's coming back from an injury, now another year removed. And so, like, I don't really care about his floor. All I care about is that he has the, he's playing on a good team. He plays quarterback and that he was, you know, the whole tank for Tua thing existed for two years prior to him turning down, turning in a very, you know, mediocre rookie season. Um, but now it, all the other factors coming together, I think, make him in play to at least make a run at a good season. And if it's in these range of outcomes, which I do think it is, at 60 to 1, I think it's a good bet. I, you knew that you were talking to Dolphins fans today. That, that's, that's what it is. You knew that. Uh, what about Nick Chubb at, at plus 10,000? Yeah, so that, that's the issue. I, I do love Nick Chubb, but the issue is that it's just running backs don't win the MVP. Yeah. Derrick Henry last year you know, nearly broke all the records in the book, and he still wasn't even like in consideration. Um, so like it would have had to been like, like I really think for Nick Chubb to win MVP, he'd have to rush for like 2,300 yards and like 25, 25 touchdowns, and the Browns would have to win like, 15 games yeah. um and then he would win but that just seems like i mean i like nick chubb and that that's tough to get to uh, i was just curious since you pounded the table earlier i thought i'd uh thought i'd kind of throw mm -hmm. that out there yeah adrian peterson 2012 last time uh non-quarterback won mvp which is just wild to me uh what's your process behind the mvp selections that you go which uh how you bet on mvp yeah so so i went into that a little bit but there's like basically a, ch a checklist um you know like what position they play so quarterback for me and then can they win uh, you know, 12 or more games. 
And then uh, will is that team like a pass heavy offense at least a little bit? You know, like they can't just be the run heaviest team in the world. So uh, you know, like a, a team like the Browns, like I'm also not interested in in Baker Mayfield because I don't think that you know he's not going to be leading the way for the Browns the entire time. I think that you know even if uh, the Browns win a lot of games, it's going to be a pretty mixed approach between passing and running. If somebody has already won MVP, does that factor into your your thought at all, do you, in in a positive or negative way? Uh, not really. Um, you know, I think repeats happen. Joe Montana won twice. Brett Favre won three times in a row. But I will say though, something that I talked about before in terms of focusing on payouts versus percent likelihood of something happening. So, like for example, Patrick Mahomes is plus six hundred to win the MVP. He's the chalk. I mean, his floor and ceiling are both incredibly high. And I'm not going to argue that he doesn't have a good chance of winning MVP, but at six to one, I mean, if everything goes well for him, which is that's what you're betting on, you're only getting six times your money, which is mm-hmm. not enough to bet on a, a large field market where there's, you know, 30 different players who could win this, uh, you know, using my um, or using uh, previous winners. I think that that's like it's just not worth your time to tie up money for six months. It's something that's going to six to one in a large field market like you just. I just don't think that's the way to get exposure. Can we, let, let's switch, well, not switch gears, but just kind of move on to uh, something that is painful for me, but the, the offensive rookie of the year, I, I, I have a hard time with it because last year I got destroyed. I was actually going through my, my DraftKings the other day and uh, just kind of to see what, what I had, what I did. Um, and I lost some money on the, uh, I, I put some money on uh, Keyshawn Vaughn and I put a little money on DeAndre Swift. Um, both were, were not uh, not good bets. So what are we thinking this year? Uh, first of all, what, what's your process on coming up with those? And then second of all, who do you have? Um, who's your favorites there in, in that in that offensive uh, rookie of the year category? Yeah, so unlike the MVP, which nearly always goes to quarterback, at least as of late, uh, this award has only been won by uh, – you know, a quarterback six times in the past 11 years, running backs won four times. Odell Beckham Jr. was the only wideout to win. So eight of the last past 11 winners were drafted in the first round too, uh, which I think is important to note. Um, and the winners drafted outside the first round were Alvin Kamara, Dak Prescott, Eddie Lacy, kind of just using that same time frame here. In terms of what I am interested in betting, um, I took a little bit of action on Kyle Pitts at Offensive Rookie of the Year at 12 to 1 at FanDuel. I think that this should be closer to like 8 to 1 or 7 to 1 because with Julio out of the picture, number two option on a high volume, high efficiency passing offense, uh, figures to still play from behind to go to a little bit. Now, as Arthur Smith is head coach, former tight end coach. Um, so I get that this market is filled with stud quarterbacks and that there are plenty that Najee Harris is also probably a good bet. But given the value, like I think that it's very reasonable for Kyle Pitts to turn in, you know, the, maybe the best rookie tight end season ever. Um, I mean, he was the highest drafted uh, tight end in NFL history. Now just in like a pretty much perfect situation. So I think at 12 to one, you're getting a little bit of value. Uh, although I don't think that it's like the most likely to happen. I mean, Trevor Lawrence is the, the Uber chalk here, but you know, a great season from Kyle Pitts, I think could win it for him. That makes sense. I mean, I think that those are, you know, guys that, that people are pretty much on. Is there anyone super long shot that you're going to, recommends for for people to throw some money down if they really want one yeah so i i actually put like a tenth of a unit so you know you should be betting in units basically the same amount on every bet at least for the most part um i put like a tenth of a unit on kyle trask at 100 to 1 at fanduel (laughs) um i mean apparently looks great at camp 
according to Bruce Arians. And if Tom Brady entering, you know, age like 44, age 45 season gets injured at any point, I think the Trask has enough weapons in supporting cast to at least put him in play. You know, like even if he doesn't win, he come he might come close if he's starting, you know, half the season. Uh, and so, yeah, I mean, at 100 to 1, I think you would certainly do worse. It's very thin. You know, don't don't go around putting like real money that you need for rent or anything <laughs> on that. But uh, <laughs> I think it as a long shot. I think it's interesting. That is interesting. I love this. Li- I'm looking at this list. I'm sorry. I, I I went out and I looked up the past offensive rookie of the year winners, and I just I just love this list. Like it's you've got Eddie Lacy and Sam Bradford. You got Percy Harvin. You got a, it's a fun list to look at. I'm just I'm just sorry to <laughs> throw us off. Uh, what about a defensive rookie of the year? I I didn't see an article on that. Is that something that you've looked into at all? A little bit. So I mean, there there are a few factors, you know, and I'll put a little bit of action on it, but not a ton. Again, it's so it's. You want to bet on a player who's going to play a lot uh, as a rookie and then plays on a good defense. So, so two guys that I like uh, would be Jalen Phillips, uh, ten to one. Uh, you can bet on him, who's playing on on the Dolphins, and you know I think that they're going to have a good defense. Kind of the reasons I outlined before for the Dolphins to be successful, and then Jamin Davis, nine to one at Fanduel. Uh, I think both those are interesting bets for defense rookie of the year. But again, I don't I don't spend like too too much time on this market. Sure, sure. Yeah, Jalen. So once again, we get the Dolphins thing. I like this. So uh, Tua's going to be the MVP. I'm, I'm, I'm writing this <laughs> down. Uh, Jalen Phillips is definitely going to win Defensive Rookie of the Year. And uh, I'm just, I, we haven't talked Super Bowl yet. We're going to get there, uh, and then I'm expecting you to tell me the Dolphins are going to win the Super Bowl. That's what I'm expecting. <laughs> <laughs> um, so uh, yeah. Defensive rookie of the year. Um, do you look hard at pass rushers? You said you didn't look too hard, but like position wise, does it matter? Um, you, you kind of brought up a linebacker and a pass rusher. Uh, does that matter? Or do you, are you looking mostly at draft capital and opportunity? Yeah, that's that's largely what I've looked at. I mean, there's I tried looking through like positions and trying to find like too much of a trend, but it I just didn't seem like it was uh, too I mean too much of a like indicator of what's going to happen. It was mostly just like. The, the biggest factors for me were that players were going to play a lot and plays on a good team. And I know that like having, uh, you know, a pass rusher is, uh, I think generally they've won the most, but I don't think it's been like overwhelming uh, if, if I remember correctly. All right. Yeah. I, thought, yeah, I mean, listen, a lot of people are into defenses and a lot of people are not, but I think what a lot of people are definitely into is Super Bowl and conference and division championship bets. So I'm sure a lot of people are kind of wanting to know your thoughts on that. Um, do you have, I mean, obviously we can all look and, and see, you know, win totals and we all have favorites of who we think are going to win but as far as from a betting perspective where do you kind of stand on on you know maybe give us your favorite division and then your conference and then your possible super bowl bets yeah so um super bowl uh, uh we'll, we'll start with division so i took a, talked a little bit here uh, i think vikings at plus 300 um are very interesting to win the division regardless of whether rogers plays or not um their defense was just pathetic last year, 25th in EPA. Uh, and they spent most of the free agency trying to fix that, though. Added Patrick Peterson, added Dalvin Tomlinson, Xavier Woods, Mackenzie Alexander. Um, and they play a pretty middle of their own schedule. But I think that their division, um, you know, the Lions especially are going to be putrid. And that, like, if Rodgers doesn't play, you know, they're in a great position. Even if he does play, I think that they are probably a small step behind the Packers, but that's not factored in the market. I think that they should be closer to like plus 200 to win the division. Uh, I took the Washington football team to win their division at plus 300. Uh, As we talked about there, I think that they should probably be closer to like plus 150. And then a longer shot here, uh, Jags plus 750 at DK and up to plus 1200 at BetMGM to win their division. Um, I I think that the top of the division is a little bit shakier than most are letting on with the Colts and Titans. 
and that the Jaguars, you know, adding a player like Trevor Lawrence can really, really turn the division around and that maybe even like something like 10 wins could win this division. Uh, and so, you know, if you're looking at a long shot plus 750, I think that it, it is a little bit narrow path to winning the division there, but I think that's certainly in play. That's spicy. I like it. That's a spicy. The Jags winning the division. That's a that's a spicy bet. It, it feels wrong, you know, after what we've seen <laughs> from the Jags, but uh, <laughs> I don't know. I think it's I think it's interesting for sure. Um, it, in terms of Super Bowl bets, so a lot of it's kind of what, we, what we've talked about. You know, I won't I won't talk about the Dolphins anymore, but I did put a little bit on them to win the Super Bowl at thirty to one. I put some on the Browns at sixteen to one, and then I put some on the Chargers at thirty three to one. Um, and that's kind of my portfolio. I really won't touch anything like under like 15 to one, to be honest. Okay. I just don't think it's worth like holding my money. If I'm not getting some kind of return, uh, beyond like 15 to one, uh, in those six months, if you want a longer shot, I took a little bit of action on the Panthers at 70 to one before I thought they were going to get Deshaun Watson. Yeah. I mean, that looks like it's not going to happen anymore. So I'm not sure I'd play it too much, but if you're looking for something closer to like a hundred to one, then Panthers at 71, I think is fine. So let me ask you, because back like like what you just said. So when you were talking about Washington, that's what made me think. So do you you you're not going to take Dallas there just because it's not worth it, or do you really think that Washington is going to win that division? Uh, well, I I do think that was I think that Washington should be like close to fifty fifty with Dallas to win the division, and so you know like that's how I have it handicapped. So like I think that this should be like they should have the same odds or pretty similar, like close. Um, and right now, Dallas is like plus 125 or plus 150 to win the division, whereas Washington is plus 300. Right, so, okay. you know, it's like double the payout. So, you're, I mean, you're basically suggesting that they're like, you know, a lot less likely to win the division compared to uh, uh, Dallas, which I just don't think is true. I think that, you know, Washington's defense is significantly better than Dallas's. And while Dallas's offense, is, I, I think, is going to be awesome, um, you know, I think that this Washington team could very easily split uh, the series with Dallas. And, wind up winning the division and at plus 300, three times your money. I think that is, that is okay uh, for this type of market where there's only, you know, four possible outcomes. And so I'll, I'll clarify that here, that in the large betting field market, so like predicting a Super Bowl or an MVP, you know, you're talking about, so Super Bowl, 32 teams can win. You're talking about a MVP, you know, there's whatever, like 50, 60 names on there. So like betting something below like 10 or 15 to one, like that just doesn't really make sense um, because you like the payout isn't good enough for the possibilities. Whereas a division bet, uh, there's only four possible teams that can win a division. So uh, it's a little bit like I'm, I'm okay with laying, you know, with putting up like, even if I, if I did really like Dallas, I would be fine with putting up plus money. I, I wouldn't lay like minus 200, you know, 200 bucks to win a hundred or anything on a division winner, right. but anything plus money, I think is fine for a division, but you have to feel really good about it. Okay. Now that's good to know because I'm kind of the, you know, I'm the one that like rolls up and will put money on Kansas city to win the Super Bowl, And it doesn't really make sense. And I win like $3 at the end. <laughs> um, so it is really good to kind of know, you know, a good process here. Yeah. Uh, Connor, I, I, I wanted to ask you, I know it varies state to state, so that might just be your answer. I don't know. But like, where, where do people bet? Like just in general, what's the uh, people that maybe aren't uh, as savvy, aren't out there, aren't aware of the options that they have? Uh, what are some places people can look to bet? Yeah, so I think that this it totally varies state to state. Um, New Jersey has a ton of options. Uh, I live in Illinois, so you know we have a few really good options. We have FanDuel, we have DraftKings, we have um, you know points bet, uh, bet. Uh, we have Bet Rivers as well. Um, I don't really like Bet Rivers. I think their interface uh, stinks. But you know, I, everyone outside of that, I think they're all good bets. My I, my thought is that you should sign up for all of them. Take advantage of all the sign-up bonuses. Sportsbooks are literally handing out money to people. You can know nothing about sports and 
like literally not know anything and just take advantage of their promotions and make money. Um, you know, I know that plenty awesome. of other people have gotten their significant others involved that don't watch a single thing of sports and just tell them, hey, you know, bet $25 on this and they'll win money because DraftKings will offer like, will this team score one point? You know, yeah. there was a, a promotion last year for the Chiefs to score a single point in the opening game and you'd win $50. Wow. So it's like, you know, you, you're, you're not taking advantage of free money if you don't sign up for all of them. And all the deposit bonuses are great too. It's not like... Uh, the DFS sites where it was like a slow drip 10 X rollover. Like a lot of these times it's like an instant release of, of funds. So like you deposit 500 bucks, you get another 500 bucks. So uh, you can build up your bankroll pretty fast. That's incredible. That That's fantastic. Um, I, That's all I've got on betting. Uh, Jen, anything I, I missed before we uh, close out? No, I mean, I think we kind of covered a lot of the good stuff that I think people that are listening would like to know people, like I said, that maybe more, intimidated by it or even people that are you know super involved and, and kind of get uh get some good insight from connor on on where to throw their money you know in june on football yeah yeah uh connor w- when we get the season going and we get prop bets going can would you, would you will you come back and talk to us again about prop bets oh absolutely we're gonna actually get some like season-long player prop bets coming up here once sports books you know stop being cowards and post some lines um <laughs> because we're gonna john's projections versus those are just money like that's just like print fest for anyone who's interested in betting on that awesome awesome i will hold you to that uh everyone be sure to follow connor on twitter at connor allen nfl listen to him on move the line oh uh, connor when can we look for another edition of move the line by the way Probably coming up here in the next few weeks, uh, Noonan and I are planning everything ahead here in terms of division previews and then probably some more awards betting as well. Awesome. Awesome. Uh, thank you. you know, I so want to add something oh. real quick. I'm sorry. I know you're wrapping up, but I just, sure. I, I just had a thought um, for those of you that are listening that are not subscribers or thinking about subscribing, I will say from, and yes, I'm biased cause I, cause I work at four for four, but I also <laughs> Um, in the, the four for four subscriber discord, Connor is fire during the season and he gives all the bets and he made me tons of money last year, um, as just a person that was in there reading it. So, um, I will say, you know, another perk that that Connor didn't talk about, um, as far as the membership is the member only discord and it's awesome. And he gives a lot of good, a lot of good picks there. Oh, I appreciate that, Jen. Awesome. Uh, Connor, thank you so much again for taking the time. I really appreciate it. Uh, anything else to say or plug that I missed? Yeah, no problem. I appreciate you guys having me on. No, nothing. I think you guys covered all the bases there, and I'm I'm really appreciate you guys having me on. Awesome. Jen, a pleasure as always. Any final thoughts? I do have one final thought. I want to let everybody know that next Monday we are giving away a Scott Fishbowl uh, entry um, into the tournament live. It's going to be Brandon, myself, and Chris Allen, and we are going to be giving – I don't know. Are we giving away live on the pod or maybe a chance on the pod and then giving away later? I don't know. But either way – um, tune in to next week's live pod, and we will be uh, giving away a Scott Fishbowl entry if you have not uh, gotten in one yet. Uh, yeah, thank you for reminding us. That'll be fun. We'll also be talking about Jen's uh, Scott Fishbowl strategy article, which is fantastic. We'll be talking about how to approach uh, when you're in that unique scoring system. Uh, everyone, don't forget to subscribe to this podcast. You can follow us on Twitter at 2GuysBrandon and at the Monday Mommy. Thanks so much for listening. Have a good day.